This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Thursday, 27th of July, 2023. A couple of points of order here. Today will be the last podcast that I am hosting until at least August 21st. I'm off on three weeks and a day of holiday visiting Texas. I'll have a field report perhaps on the other side of that holiday. Uh, in the meantime, the podcast will be going dark next week, um, just to be aware of that. And hopefully we'll resume the week after that with the rest of the team. But tomorrow there will be a special edition podcast that I recorded together with our head of commodity strategy, Ola Henson, on uh, a deep dive basically on the energy market, what moves it, uh, ways to look at it, and especially how to trade it, what instruments are available to trade the energy market. It was, it was a great podcast, so do tune in for that. It's a pretty thorough look at uh, a thorough look at, at the energy market. All right, let's get back to uh, markets uh, and the day-to-day here. We had an FOMC meeting, uh, of course, last night, providing, as I kind of anticipated, I was struggling to understand what we were, where, where the surprise was supposed to be and, and what the reaction function would be, and there was really no surprise. The statement almost completely unchanged, and the um, press conference with Fed Chair Powell was an exercise and uh, not committing to anything except uh, saying uh, we're going to look at the incoming data and react to that. So we barely saw any sort of adjustment in the forward expectations at all. And this allowed the market to sort of default to, to lower volatility, the VIX falling uh, very close to a cycle low, if not an actual cycle low. And uh, the rally to, uh, well, we didn't actually rally that much into the close. It was a bit of a mixed session. Uh, and then we saw a boost after hours as Meta reported strong net revenue and a strong outlook. And, and the shares there were boosted uh, almost 7%. Worth noting as well, and I'm pointing out a couple things. Uh, so if you're a Dow theorist, uh, a Dow theory is saying we should always look at the transports as, as a leading sector. <laughs> very strong new levels there, helped in large part by Boeing advancing almost 9% yesterday on some strong reports on aircraft sales and, and cash generation. I guess they're actually executing on deliveries. It's helping their cash levels. And then Union Pacific up more than 10% on the change of CEO. So if you're a Dow theorist, you're, you're happy and you're looking for more highs to come here. It is kind of still noteworthy to, to note that divergence between the NASDAQ 100, and which is still a couple of percent below the highs-ish, uh, not including the, the futures move overnight, uh, and the S&P, which was uh, actually scratching intraday new highs for the cycle yesterday and actually is trading as I'm talking here at new highs if you look at the uh, future. And if you look at our Saxo equity theme basket overview there on slide two, you notice that really strong performance in green transformation. Part of that driven by, uh, not not part of it, most of it driven by big moves in the Chinese EV makers, especially Xpeng, who uh, got a 5% uh, investment of some, I believe it was 700 million euros thereabouts from Volkswagen, uh, who again will take around 5% ownership of the company. Uh, there's been some strong report, uh, reports that this is a very strong uh, product offering from XPeng, so it's an interesting uh, move there by by Volkswagen. And uh, you see the S&P 500 chart there. Yes, we are hitting new highs overnight. And then uh, sort of the FX reaction, so no big surprise with uh, volatility low, with uh, risk sentiment high. The dollar just defaults back to the downside, and that's what we have coming into this morning. I don't think the ECB is going to do anything to really to support the euro here today. I think we have a kind of a similar setup. I think we're looking for 
they really don't have any choice but to hike and indicate they may hike again because of where inflation levels are. But at the margin, I, I think that the risk side is a little bit uh, on the dovish side, a bit at odds with others uh, on the house view there. But I, I have a hard time seeing a euro getting a strong kick to the upside from, from outright hawkishness from the ECB here. So if your dollar does go back to test the highs, I would suspect that the a weak dollar would be doing most of the heavy lifting there. The key uh, sort of uh, Fibonacci retracement comes in around 111.80 as we await uh, what the ECB has to deliver. And then looking out, if we're supposed to be seeing a top in this chart, we really need to close back below that pivot low and really below 110, I think, to argue a chart top is in. And we can't forget that we have the Bank of Japan meeting up uh, tonight or sort of overnight into very early European hours tomorrow. Uh, very key there and uh, very little sense of what the heck they're going to do. Will they do absolutely nothing? Uh, there's been some rhetoric that indicates that. They haven't declared that they want to have this 18-month period. That was back in, in April to assess monetary policy, basically wanting to see a whole other round of wage negotiations next March before making a decision. There have been rumors of a potential to tweak and the costs of them, the known cost of this YCC, or yield curve control policy. Um, so I think the, the range of outcomes is from absolutely doing nothing to indicating a willingness to tweak, but not now, to actually doing some minor tweak to yield curve control, perhaps raising the uh, uh, the band to 75 basis points for the 10-year JGB yield from 50 basis points. That's just an example. Uh, I really don't know. But my odds are on the uh, indicating a willingness to tweak down to doing absolutely nothing. And so then, then the, I think the impulse is what is going on elsewhere on the degree to which that sees the yen uh, moving. And with, with little volatility, uh, yeah, I think you'd need to see yields rising elsewhere to get a really strong negative yen reaction uh, although if they are, if they do simply put their foot down and say we're going to do absolutely no nothing, I think the dollar yen risk would certainly be to the upside for the next uh, uh, week, let's call it, and into the 145 area on dollar yen. All right, and then we have earnings. So uh, again, mentioned we've we've had mega caps a little bit all over the place. Microsoft down quite heavily on their on their cloud computing side of things. Google very strong reaction there because of the some of the fears. So, so some of the AI phenomenon, somewhat ironically, feeding into some some concerns about their ad revenue, which is such a huge uh, a part of their business. Of course, that relief has saw that stock up five point eight percent, and then we saw the strong Meta results yesterday. So, looking forward to today, the names are decelerating a bit in terms of the impact. Apologies for having Amazon on the earnings list for today and, and prior. Uh, overviews of the earnings watch, uh, which in today's slide deck is on slide four. Uh, luckily, we were not the only ones that had Amazon up uh, today. That is not until next uh, week on August 3rd, I believe it is. So uh, apologies for that, but it uh, seemed to be circulating around that they were out today. But looking at that overview there on uh, on slide four, a couple of names stick out. I mean, MasterCard is, is important. Uh, of course, the card business, the activity of the consumer. Uh, Visa was out recently. Uh, yesterday, in fact, and they were indicating strong strong uh, use of the cards. Very strange price action in that stock, by the way, that it was not really understandable. Uh, it, it ended up closing only slightly down after a very bizarre uh, gap at the opening. Uh, but MasterCard up, presumably with something uh, similar. And then a number of other names there on, on the consumer side, Mondelez and McDonald's. But uh, I think Intel is the really interesting one I want to pull out just because of where the company is. Uh, you know, traditionally a very, very profitable company, but has come under siege uh, since uh, since the pandemic, really, because of this new approach of doing massive investments in their own fab facilities. 
They've gotten some support from the German government to, to set up facilities in Germany or at least in Europe. I'm not sure exactly where those facilities are set up in, in Europe and, and as well in the U.S. But this uh, massive uh, – but still, a lot of the spending, of course, is, is from their own coffers. And uh, you know something like $25 billion, uh, at an annual run rate in 2022. So uh, that has led to a couple of uh, negative quarters earnings-wise on the EPS. Uh, is this the quarter where we start to see a, a turnaround – uh, the, the expectations are minus four cents a share. Just seems like there might be a little bit more optionality if if the company is executing or getting something right here, or if it can sort of uh, forecast. And that's the biggest if. If it's starting to forecast an end of this slump in demand, again, a lot of pandemic spending, seeing a lot of people setting up home offices and uh, bringing forward a lot of spending that sort of then cannibalized later uh, potential spending because it's going to be a while before they need to replace. Uh, these these uh, uh, this equipment that they purchased during the pandemic, so we could be it could be a waiting game still going on here, but uh, just an interesting one to spotlight earnings wise. And you see the other names coming up uh, tomorrow with Exxon Mobil and Chevron, the two oil vertical uh, vertically integrated oil giants, um, <clears throat> and and more luxury names as well. A couple of those reporting today, including uh, Caring, which uh, surprises me, is I think it's almost a seventy billion. Uh, Euro market cap that company has. And then we roll forward to the earnings calendar. We have the ECB up today, of course, with the Lagarde press conference. We are, we're, it's clear from all the recent rhetoric, we're going to get a non-committal to further tightening less than 50 basis points. And that's including today's 25 basis point presumed hike. Less than 50 basis points is priced into the forward curve. Uh, I, I don't think they, they want to commit to, to not hiking either. But it's still on margin. I expect that they might try to uh, express more concerns on the economic growth outlook, although their mandate is meant to be, of course, inflation only, unlike the Fed. So uh, possibly an interesting one, but also possibly uh, plays a little bit like the FMC. We essentially get what we've uh, what has been thoroughly flagged. Other interesting data points include the first estimate of Q2 U.S. GDP expected at 1.8% uh, annualized. Run rate that's not quarter on quarter but annualized, and the uh, price index expected at three percent for the headline that's for a drop from 4.1 percent the prior quarter and at the core of 4.0 percent versus 4.9 percent annualized uh, for the prior quarter. So that might be an area where the market is looking for a little bit of surprise, uh, especially on on the, the GDP price index. Initial jobless claims last week was the, the best one for the cycle. That's uh, the market's been pretty reactive to those, so that could be uh, that could get some play as well. Seven-year note auction uh, again. U.S. Uh, U.S. yields are really stuck stuck in the rut here, and then it really is about the Bank of Japan, which has the most potential of these three central bank meetings this week potentially to to surprise the market. Also because also because the market simply, as, as I've indicated, doesn't seem to get a clue of what it is they're going to decide. So. It's the two extreme surprise scenarios are that they go ahead and tweak now. Uh, that would uh, probably engineer quite a, a run higher in the Japanese yen. I focused a bit on the, on the euro yen, uh, but it should impact dollar yen as well if the yen is rallying. And then on the weak side, we have, the, of course, the potential to do absolutely nothing at all and indicate uh, that they're, they're staying firm on their commitment to their current policy mix. And you have uh, some reaction potential to the downside for the Japanese yen. Middle ground supposedly would be indicated willingness to tweak potentially in October after yet another uh, round or two of, of wage data, et cetera. And I think that would play mostly in the direction of the going ahead and tweaking policy now 
so I, I still think there's there's almost a surprise scenario. Uh, either they uh, they can almost do nothing but surprise. Uh, in other words, so let's see what they do. I will not be around to cover it tomorrow. But we uh, do look on analysis.sac, so we will have coverage of whatever the Bank of Japan does. We also have some inflation, important inflation data. So Germany's uh, flash July CPI out just the day after this uh, ECB meeting. Uh, a U.S. Q2 employment cost index report. This is getting some play, and some of the banks mentioning this as a, as a factor. So watch for that one. And as well, the most important for the Fed's calculations of inflation and, and where things are headed for inflation, the PCE inflation report. The, the interesting thing this time around being it's the first one in a while that is expected to show a more notable drop in the core readings, both for the month-on-month -month, uh, at 0.2% and for the year-on-year, -year, which is expected to drop well below 4.5% after we've had a whole string of months where it's looked quite sticky in the sort of 4.6%, 4.7% area. Next week, we have the, the Bank of England meeting and then further afield. Uh, luckily, once uh, after I get back from my holiday, we have the Jackson Hole Symposium. We think there's some interesting structural shifts going on in how uh, central banks are, are dealing with, with policy, which is heavily affected from the fiscal side. And this, can, this will continue because they have to be concerned about the dynamics of uh, the total national debt and how much this, uh, this, this rise in interest rates has affected long-term trajectory there. Um, so there could be some very interesting signals from that Jackson Hole uh, Symposium and the speeches given there. Okay, I think that's a wrap for today. Tune in tomorrow for that special edition deep dive with Ole Henson on trading uh, the energy markets. And uh, again, we'll be off next week, but should return the week after next with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>